0: Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Series of TikTok and uh, in our churches at home. And we had 22 churches at home taking place, and we had 290 individuals rock up to homes last Sunday, which is phenomenal. People dining together, encouraged, praying for one another. It was fantastic. And uh, in week two now, we're going to continue our series. And I've told all this if you're taking notes, uh, where is your soul? Where is your soul? Where is your soul? Now we're going to speak to a verse in Mark chapter 8. And so if you've got your Bibles here this morning, we can um, open that up right now. But Mark chapter 8. And uh, yeah, all right, fantastic. i <laughs> got the music going. Um, we got a, we got a chance to talk about a, a particular verse where Jesus is actually speaking to um, some of his disciples and those who are around him at the time. And he asks this question, a really important question, a question that I think that we should ask ourselves in today's age of. What is the point of gaining the whole world If we forfeit our souls. So I want to speak to this topic today or speak to this, this thought today of where is our soul? Where is our soul? You know, a bit of backlog in terms of what's happening in the, uh, the, the particular scripture, the particular chapter at this time, is that Peter, he has a, an amazing moment. He has one of those like, uh, uh, like revelation moments. Has anyone ever had those moments where the light bulb switches on for the first time in a long time? You're like, oh, I finally understood something that I didn't necessarily understand beforehand. Or how could I never have seen something beforehand that now I now can see? It's like he can't unsee it. And Peter has this moment where he declares and he makes a statement that Jesus is Lord. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a guy that can can go around and make um, um, make some miracles take place. He is indeed the saviour of the world. And he has this moment where his eyes are opened. I'll never forget the moment when I figured out that Allie actually likes me. And I was like, she likes me? What's going on here? Am I a chance here? I, do I have a crack at the title here for, for This Is this a chance for me? And I had my eyes open to the fact that she actually liked me and it changed my world. It changed the way I treated, it. It changed the, the way that we did things. And, and, and Peter has this moment where he declares that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is say Saviour. And it's it interesting to me that they had been currently following Jesus for, for about two and a half, almost three years to this point. And that even though he had been around Jesus and around His works and around His words and around seeing the miracles and the transformations, he comes to this place where his eyes are indeed opened up. And as I was thinking about this this week and I was considering the, the word for this week, I actually felt the Holy Spirit placing in my heart that this is something for our church. This is something for our for the church. That there's people that have been around Christendom. There's been people around the church, people around Christians all the time. But they haven't truly had their eyes open to the one Lord Jesus Christ, the one that indeed redeems and saves and makes a difference in people's lives. And my hope and my prayer is that we'll indeed see a Joel 2 kind of fresh spirit take place in our church. that people's eyes will be open just like it happened for Peter, where his eyes are open to something completely different, completely new. And Peter has this incredible moment, this moment where his eyes are open. And he kind of gets a bit like happy about himself, actually. He's the kind of character who would have like gone around and said the rest of the disciples, yep, I picked that one out. I uh, figured that one out. And you know, guess what I did there, And he's having this bit of a, Probably a bit of a, a prayer, Peter Proud kind of moment, but the very next verse, Jesus kind of like comes along and says, "Hey, uh, just to let you know, guys, even though you've understood this revelation, I'm I'm about to die." And Peter's like in a bit of shock. He's like, "There's no way that you could you die. We, we weren't allowed it to happen. There's no way that it'll, that will take place." And Peter goes along this this journey and says, "Hey, no, no, it's not going to happen, God. It's not going to happen, Jesus." And uh, Peter goes from that high moment to this next moment where Jesus actually rebukes him. He actually says, Get behind me, devil. It's like, talk about uh, going from like fall from grace it's like going from like the revelation of understanding who Christ is to then being rebuked and told that, you know, get behind me, devil. And we, we see this like pattern before Jesus then gathers his disciples and he opens up a bit of an opportunity for a bit of teaching where we pick up the scripture we find today. And it's Mark 8, 34, verses to 36, only three simple verses that I want to look at today. And Jesus, with those around him, gives them instructions that basically outlines what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it's an encouragement, and I use this in the word encouragement, deliberate, it's encouragement for us today to make sure that we're finding ourselves doing these three things as well. And the verse says, it says, and calling the crowd to him, this is Jesus, and calling the crowd to Jesus with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, other translations put it this way. It says, if anyone wants to be a disciple and church, we're always going to be a church that goes after making disciples. We're not going to be a church that is interested in necessarily in just having bums on seats. Even though I love the fact that we've got people now in spi- uh, spilling into our mezzanine today. It's fantastic to see. But we want to be a church that indeed runs after the pursuit of Jesus and make disciples. He says these three things that I want you to do. He says, number one, let him deny himself Number two, take up his cross. And number three, I want you to follow me. Those three things. Now, notice here it doesn't say, um, uh, once you become a disciple, why don't you put a, gra- a nice little gold chain on and put a little cross there, and that will signify the fact that you're suddenly a Christian. And uh, Or if you're like me when I was 16, get like Andre Agassi style and have a little Nike um, tick. And then my other year in, I had a, uh, a beautiful little hanging cross there to be able to signify that I was a Christian. It was so terrible, but that's what I did back in the day. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, and oh, I actually saw this the other day and I actually hoped to myself, please, Lord, don't let this be anyone from our church because on the back of their bumper, they had a honk if you love Jesus. And I thought to myself, oh man, like please don't be anyone from our church. And I actually hope there's no one from our church with a honk if you love Jesus on the back of your bumper sticker right now. Let's not be that church, guys. Um, But it's not what makes you a follower of Christ. It's not even coming to church every single week. Even though I hear my heart as a pastor, I love the fact that you come to church. It's a good thing for you to do. That is not what Jesus is outlining here. There are three things that I want you to be able to do in order to be able to follow me, to be able to disciple of me. And number one, he says, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to deny yourself. It's getting real quiet in here. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. And this is a hard one for us. The flesh battles with this stuff. No one really wants to deny yourself. If you're like me, who has obviously lots of different logins right now, and you have a, well, actually, I'm the kind of guy that has like one password for everything. Um, if you find out my one password, you've got my whole life opened up to your whole life. Um, anyone else like me by any chance? I so just have to like, oh, there's a few of you guys out there. I'm like, if I forget this one password, I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, but if you get the wrong password for something, then what can happen is that you have access denied. And what Jesus is actually outlining here, there has to be a denying of yourself in order to follow me. You know, in the original Greek word, I almost says geek word, but the original Greek word, the actual word means denounce. And it's the same word that is used when Peter denies Christ. In other words, it's a, I don't know that guy. I'm not associated with that guy. That that person there, that Jesus that you're referring to, I'm denying Him, I'm separating myself from Him because I no longer have any kind of attachment. And this is what Jesus is calling us to do. And He's not calling us to be a monk that just separates ourselves from the whole wide world. What He's saying, there has to be a denial of our earthly pursuits, of our flesh. You know, self-denial is not only challenging, it runs against the cultural winds of self-fulfillment. And we live in a world today that talks to you and says, go and get seek after self-fulfillment. Go after what satisfies the flesh. Go after the thing that actually makes a difference for you. You are number one. We live in a narcissistic kind of world that promotes unhealthy amounts of self-care and look after yourself and it's all about you. And those things to a degree are okay, but we become self-obsessed as opposed to self-care. And we've got to find that balance between making sure that we actually are indeed following after Christ. When we deny ourselves, we say, I was once walking this way, but now I'm walking this way. I was once following my own patterns, my own ways, but now, God, I'm turning to you. I'm turning to your grace. I'm turning to your forgiveness. I'm turning to your, your strength. I'm turning to your courage. I'm turning to your, your goodness and mercy. I'm turning to your kindness in all that I do. It's a denying of our lives in order to follow up his. That's deny himself, number two, take up his cross. Jesus here was actually outlined that there is a cost to discipleship. And again, our flesh doesn't like the cost. I took my little girl out the other day and I've given her a little bank card. It's called Spriggy. It's pretty cool. And I've downloaded a little bit of money onto her card. And she went down to the shops for the first time and she went and bought some lollies and she loved it. But when I said to go choose your own lollies, she then thought I was going to pay for it. And I said, no, no, you got that card now. You can pay for it. And she didn't like it because it was a cost to her. In our worlds today, we don't like the cost associated with things that we don't want to have to pay for. And there is a cost of following Jesus. What does this cost look like? There's all sorts of different kinds of costs. There's simple costs and more challenging costs. Actually, what speaking and challenging, Jesus was actually outlining the idea of taking up his cross, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate cost of what it would actually cost him. It would cost him his life. And we live in a world today that doesn't necessarily think about the fact of costing our life because in Australia, we would have to think about that kind of stuff. But again, the media won't publicise this kind of stuff, but there are literally thousands of people all the time find themselves with their lives at risk because of the fact that they are following after Jesus. There is a cost of following Jesus. And again, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I was going to just say, it'll be all Danny, fantastic, no worries, have a great day. There's a cost of following His ways. And the cost could be in the everyday things. It could be in the small things. It could be, um, it could be in the idea of I'm going to forego some sleep and I'm going to wake up early to be able to pray. Or I'm not going to watch maths this week and I'm going to dive into the Word of God this week. Please don't watch maths. <laughs> or I'm going to listen to a little bit less of Mariah Carey today and and be able to dive into some Darlene Cheek a bit more and, and get myself in that. And I'll just outline the fact that I'm a 40-year-old man now <laughs> to try and modernise a bit more. Um, Tay-Tay, there you go, Tay-Tay, it's uh, Taylor Swift. Is that, uh, I feel weird even saying I need to pull. I need to back out of this right now. And instead of in that, we, we, we surround our lives with worship. And, and I'm not talking about getting all Spiro and religious, and I'm the kind of guy that loves to be able to go watch a movie on a Sunday night and watch violent and more action and more explosions going on. I'm all for that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about getting weird and legalistic, but I am saying we're going to find ourselves, there can be a cost that we need to have of, of being a follower and pursuing Jesus and the simple things. It can be found in making a stand in secular culture today. It can be found in ways of young couples saving themselves for marriage. Again, this stuff is not popular to talk about because there's a cost. And I want to encourage us, let's find the cost, let's pay the price because it is worth it. It might be making a decision not to follow every single social justice kind of warrior that exists today. Because what looks good is not always good. Open your eyes, make a big decision with your brains instead of just following every single wave of teaching these days. I want to encourage us there is a cost to these kinds of things. And the cost, it might come in more persecution. It might come with a cost of actually having a sting. I'll never forget, I was in a university lecture and they were slagging down Christians and it was a cost for me to be able to stand up at that time. For the next four years, I got called the Jesus boy. Amen. But I was the biggest Jesus boy in that area. I tell you what, I was going to smack down every single person that want to come against Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it helps being 6'2 and... Many, many, many kilos. (laughs) But Jesus even says in John 15, He says, don't worry if they hate you, they hated me first. It's going to be okay. And let me tell you the cost, we're getting a bargain. When our eyes are open to what the cost we pay to what we get, if we live with an eternal sense, we start to understand the price that we're paying, we are getting eternal life. We've got salvation. We've got the opportunity to be redeemed by the living Saviour. And this is the thing, guys, the cost, it is there. And I don't want to pretend that there's no cost associated with following after Jesus. But there is worth at the end of the day. And if our eyes are centred on heaven with an eternal perspective, we quickly understand, we quickly figure out the fact that this cost, man, I'm paying peanuts and I'm getting like the best thing ever in Jesus' name. Holy smokes, I need to keep on moving. Number three, follow me. Follow me. Let me go very, very quick here. I'll summarize this point here. The Greek word here says to imitate. Follow means to imitate. It means to become just like him. This is where we get our mineral phrase of our, of, our, of our vision. Follow Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. He says, I want you to imitate me. Three ways we can do these. Obey's word. Obey. <laughs> Obey his word. To be our base, we need to know his word first. Obey his word, practice his ways. Allow the Holy Spirit to be our speaking, moving in through you. Word and truth. Spirit and truth. We want to make sure that we're guided this way. 1 John verses 2 verses, so chapter 2 verses 6 says, Those who say they live in God, this is a nice way of saying those who are followers of Christ, should live their lives just as Jesus did. And what I love about these three things, Ali's not here. She hates me using props, but anyway, she's not here. So that's okay. Um, what, what, basically, what it says is there is a, a process here of discipleship. When you give your life to Jesus, there's a process here. And, you know, basically, if this was to signify your life, the denying is that you're removing, you're separating, you're no longer following the things that perhaps you once thought was most important to you. And some of you guys are thinking, well, why is he pulling out a light bulb? We'll get to that in just a second. We find ourselves removing the things. We separate our things as the denying of the things that we perhaps previously wanted to have. And what happens is that there is a nine. But then what we're also doing is we're bringing in things of his peace, his salvation, his redemption, his goodness. And we actually add them into our lives. I've been looking for my wallet there. There it is. Um, and we actually, what we do is we, we, we take up the cross. We, we carry it. We take it with us. We take Him with us. Then He says, follow me. It's follow my ways, follow my word, follow the opportunities that I'm talking about, make a difference in this world. And what we do, it speaks of the journey that God, God is calling us to go on. Those three things, deny, take up your cross and follow Him. And then we reach this next verse that in verse 35 It says, um, it's a great paradox because it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Wish I had time to go into this today, maybe later on. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, he will save it. He's talking about the eternal sense here. Don't run after things of this world. Run after things of heaven. And then this verse, which is so important that I want to spend perhaps the last five or six minutes here today on is, this confronting and perhaps somewhat conf- and harrowing question that Jesus asks, he says, for what is it, so what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? At the high public, you can't even gain the whole world. But what is it if you're trying to pursue it? You ever notice someone that has lack of contentment in their life? Once they get something, they want the next thing. We live in a very discontented world. What is it if you gain the whole world and yet, forfeit his soul and I want to spend the last few minutes like I said talking to this here today specifically into our series and Jesus hits the nail on the head where I believe many of us are at today and I wonder where are our souls at where are our souls at is there a part of our soul that we feel has been forfeited or lost And my hope and my prayer is that we can go on the journeys together to be able to understand a way to be able to redeem that. You know, in all the hustle and bustle of the going here, the going there, the do this, do that, stress about this, stress about that, consume, 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 like, 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 compare, 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 worry, 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 stress, stress, stress. There is an exhausting nature this world has for us today. And my question is, what is it doing to our souls? And it's a loaded question because I'm, we're talking into this because I don't actually think it's doing all that well for our souls, actually. And maybe we're missing a part of the pieces of the puzzle to what this thing called life's all about. And maybe we're actually made of some of our own pieces and trying to put our own pieces into the puzzle to try and figure out what life truly is meant to be. And sometimes I think that God's is upstairs, thinking upstairs, thinking not upstairs in the mezzanine, but He is here with us today. And but He's there, thinking, guys, like your priority is what's you're missing some of the things here for us today. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the devil is an evil schemer. In other words, he's putting plans together. I know some of us want us to just put our head in the sand and ignore the devil because he's a big bad guy, but it's happening. But as I read my Bible, as I look at life, he's far less likely to come after you in the sense of a little cartoon character that suddenly, poof, and appears on your shoulder and he has these little words into your ears that tells you the wrong thing. I've discovered the devil's far more likely to come to you in the, fo- in, the, in the form of an alert on your phone when you're trying to read your Bible. I've found that the devil's more, far more likely to come to you when you get that extra opportunity to work an extra Saturday or an extra Sunday and suddenly you're not with your family, you're not with the gathering. I've found that you're far more likely to encounter the devil in a multi-day Netflix binge. Who's had a few of those during lockdown? <laughs> I did, i got to be honest, I did, and I watched Michael Jordan's series. Oh, man, it was the best thing ever. Um, it might be found in the form of a, a dopamine addiction that we have to Instagram and Facebook and our worlds. So many of us, and I've, I've been there, the first thing we do we, before we even get out of bed is not go read our Bible, it's go check social media and see who's liked our posts, who's commented. <laughs> and we find ourselves living life through the lens of these dopamine hits and it's becoming destructive. And unless our eyes are open to this stuff, we just flow with the with, with the with the rhythms of the world. And my heart for you as a pastor today is to be able to say, let's stand against some of this. But you know, being busy is not evil. And as I look back on last week's message, I, I wanted to clarify this today. Being busy isn't evil. I, I believe I I live a full life. Many of you live a full life. Some of my heroes, right now, I was actually saying this to Michael Carmona, is he here this morning? I think I saw him beforehand. Um, yep, yeah, there is. Um, I saw him at the shops yesterday, and I was trying to put Oliver into the car, and he was crying a little bit. And you know, we, we were just trying to sort out that thing. And I said, my, my heroes are single mums these days, who go out and do what they do. They live full lives. They're busy. Uni students, you got kind of busy, and <laughs> um, we, we live busy worlds. But being busy is not necessarily evil. You look at Jesus by by definition. He lived a full life. In three years, he changed the course of the whole wide world for all of eternity. He went from temple to temple. He went from home to home. He went from healing to healing. He went from um, preaching to preaching. He went from meet this person to meet this person. He lived a full life. He went from prayer in the garden to, 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 to time and communion. He had time where he lived a full life. And yet he did something that so many of us would love to do more of, and it's this thing of being present. Any husbands out there being caught by their wife where you're on the phone and you're talking, but really you're not listening, and then she asks you a question and you go, what was that, darling? And she's like, I know you haven't been listening to me the whole time. You haven't been present. Jesus was present everywhere he went. And the problem for us today is not that we have t- too much to do it's it's when so the problem isn't when you have lots to do it's when we don't have an we have too much to do and the only way to keep up is to cram more in to hurry more because there's always a cost to this and the cost is so often the things that matter most in life our faith our family our joy our souls My hope is that we can weigh up this cost. Everything you do, there's a cost associated with it. Some of you guys are thinking, Dan, I cannot concentrate anymore without you telling me why. Have you got a light bulb? This is a light bulb. Anyone know who discovered and made the light bulb? Thomas Edison. Ah, brownie points to you, but on Thomas Edison. Anyone know when this was created? The closest decade. Everyone's like, I'm not trying this one. <laughs> 1879. 1879. And uh, next question is, anyone want to have a guess of how much sleep the average person had before 1879? Ye- yell it out. 11 hours. Very, very close. 11.3 hours. The average sleep for people back in 1879 was 11 points, uh, 11.3 hours. Anyone want to have a guess what the average sleep today is? Everyone's like, oh, if i got five hours of sleep, I'll be mad. I'll be fantastic. <laughs> I've got like a, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm a mum and I've got four kids and like, <laughs> I'm not too sure what the mum had the deep voice for, but anyway. <laughs> the average hour now, 7.2. So in just over 100 years, now it's more than just because of this, but in this time, we've seen sleep go down by almost four hours per person. Per night, the average person. Some of you're wondering, I now know why I'm feeling so tired. <laughs> I get it now. All right. Um, so theoretically then, we've actually gained four hours in our in, in our days now. Theoretically, okay. Um, let's look at the apple now. Um, the apple, back in these times, you prepared every single bit of food. You wanted bread, you made it. You made it make soup, you make the whole thing. Today, what do you do? you go to the shops. If you can't bother going to the shops, you pre-order it and they do the shopping for you. If you can't even bother going to the shops to do that, you jump on menu log and be able to order something. Within 20 minutes, you have food delivered to your door. We live in a very convenient world today. Let's, uh, let's look at the... I didn't actually plan this, but we used to go to the bank. We used to go to the bank and be able to get money and have to do our bills and that kind of stuff. Today, what do you do? No one goes to the bank. If you go to the bank, there's a different way of doing things, by the way, guys. Um, you, jump, you, you jump on your app... And anytime, anytime, anywhere in the world, you can transfer, you can pay bills, you can find yourself in a convenience world where indeed your life is made easier that way. Back in those days, what'd you do for transport? You walked most places. If you had a horse, then you're pretty rich and you did pretty well there. But you'd be able to get by by walking. That was the main trend. It was slow. You had to think out before you went anywhere because you had to make sure it was deliberate. I'm not walking 5Ks in the wrong direction. These days, you want to go anywhere, you jump in the car. Within moments, you can find yourself in a particular destination. You can jump in a a car, in a a taxi, in an Uber. You can jump in a plane, a boat. And finally, you find yourself in that destination really quickly. I love this one. Um, Shrek, you love Shrek. Shrek. You're probably thinking, how do you include Shrek in a sermon? But I've just done that now. Um, I love Pinocchio when he goes, I'm a real boy. Um, and uh, it's a great little movie there, but nothing to do with Shrek. I remember going to Blockbuster Video as a young boy, and some of you young guys are thinking, what is Blockbuster Video? Um, Blockbuster Video is where you'd go and you would select and you'd go scrolling through and you get weekly specials and you get seven videos for a, for a whole week and you'd pay money for it. And it was fantastic. Until these days now, what do you do? You turn your TV on, you got your subscriptions to Netflix and Disney and all sorts of things. Again, time saving things that we don't necessarily, we, we're used to. I've got a little letter from my little daughter, um, and she says, oh, I love you. And we used to write letters. Remember those days? I actually think it's a good thing to continue. My wife has a ministry in writing letters, actually. And uh, many of you guys have been recipients of those over, over a period of time. But we used to write letters, and we used to have to then post it and we'd wait weeks for communication. Today I'm amazed that I still don't understand how it works because of my little brain, but I can send an email to someone over in Kenya and they can receive the email in literally four seconds flat. It's incredible what we have these days. What am I trying to get at? We used to talk to one another. Remember those days? We used to go to dinner together, we used to go hang out together. We used to be able to, to be able to commune with one another. These days, if we don't want to talk to someone, what do we do? We text them. If you can't be bothered texting them, you send them an emoji. If you can't be bothered doing that, you give them a like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This is the world we live on. We live in a world that's theoretically, time should be being bought the whole time. Theoretically. But if I was to go around for most of you here today and ask you, how are you doing? Most of you would come and say, Dan, I'm feeling pretty busy and I wish I had more time. You know, during the same time period, what we've found is effectively the death of the Sabbath for many people as well. The day that of rest up until the 60s and 70s, most businesses did not operate on Sundays. Today, Most businesses are crazy, or seem to be crazy, if they are not operating. And for many people, we've seen the death of... It's why we're going to spend a whole week on the Sabbath. I believe God's calling us back to these practices of the Sabbath. And I wonder if we can go on the journey of understanding that when the things like the Sabbath are lost, it's not just a day of rest, it's a day where our soul can commune with God. We can indeed come back. I've just got a message from my wife saying it's time to wrap up, so... I'm going to wrap up. She's probably in their little parents' room right now getting embarrassed. That's what happens when you message the pastor when he's preaching. <laughs> My question is, I do wrap up. And Matt, do you want to join us today? The question simple is What is all this, this this pace of life doing to ourselves? And are we pursuing the things of this world far too much in the process forfeiting ourselves? souls? And that's for a temporary thing, but also an internal thing. And I pray that this is a word that, as I actually ask probably more questions today than I do give answers. Throughout this series, we're going to look at more of the answers, because there are answers. But I think the starting point for us here today is to understand the truth of the, one of the scriptures that we actually looked at last week. And it's an invitation that Jesus gives. And he talks about the eternal nature of salvation, the eternal nature of God being able to be found rest in God. But he starts off with his invitation and says, I want you to come to me. Come to me. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.